Hey everyone, welcome to episode 66 of the Chirps podcast brought to you by Birds on the Black. Uh, Tara Wellman is not here with us this evening because she is, I believe, out of town for work, but I am joined by uh, ben Godar of Viva Albertos. Ben has been on the show now probably four or five times, so he is a friend of the podcast, a regular guest of the podcast. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, and I've, I've always wanted to be able to refer to myself by the title friend of the podcast, So, um, but I thought I kind of felt weird doing it myself, so the fact that you just threw it my way, now I feel like I can you know, adopt that uh, authentically. There you go. Oh, I think you've easily had the most airtime on here after the two hosts. So you might be even elevated to a status above front of the podcast. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what that would be, but uh, the be- best friend of the podcast, maybe, maybe we can, <laughs> we can say that. of the podcast. But you are, you are coming to us live from the city of Des Moines, Iowa. Do, do you, just curious, do you still have the uh, Iowa caucus voting app on your phone? No, no. Uh, I never had it on my phone. I was not a, a party official. So uh, I was just uh, one of the uh, lemmings uh, standing in one corner of a gymnasium for several hours and occasionally migrating to another uh, corner of a gymnasium. So <laughs> okay. It was a little rough. Elizabeth Warren did show up at our caucus, though, which was pretty yeah. awesome. And, I saw uh, the picture. That was that was cool. Well, and so quick kind of fun story about that. So at a caucus, there's a time at the beginning where a representative from each candidate has a chance to give like a kind of just quick, like two minute speech. And so typically it's it's like somebody, you know, from the neighborhood who's representing that candidate. But since she was at ours, they started off and they said, "Okay, so first up, speaking on behalf of Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth Warren, you know, and so she gives this just, you know, home run stump speech that, you know, she's done all the time. The place goes crazy. And then, you know, she leaves and the person in charge says, OK, and, you know, now speaking on behalf of Senator Sanders, it's Dave from 44th Street. So <laughs> it, it was a, it was a little little tough act to follow for everybody else. But um, but luckily it was very long and tiring and none of our votes counted anyway. So, anyway. <laughs> so, uh you know, I, I've followed politics my almost all of my adult life. Even even before my adult life, I was a poli sci major, and I've watched many Iowa caucuses. I still am not positive I know exactly how they work, and I feel like it's one of those right. things. Unless you're there, you might not truly ever know. Uh, I, no one there knows how they work either. It's, <laughs> okay. it's, it's genuinely it is genuinely chaos. So uh, I have to say, you know, when I was younger, they felt a little more. They were just a little smaller in general, and it seemed just mm-hmm. a little more orderly, and it was a little bit more like it was kind of like a meeting and a conversation. And and um, but I, I think the last maybe three that I've been and I lived out of state for a while, but I've been back since uh, oh, what was Obama? Oh, th- two thousand eight was the first, yeah. So since two thousand eight, and they've all just been chaos since then. So okay, well, we can. Uh, I don't think too many people tuned in to, to hear us talk about the uh, current state of affairs and in, in politics, even though there is a debate going on right now. But also going on right now is um, spring training. The Cardinals had a game today with the Nationals. I think they lost 9-6, to six, although I'm not positive on that. And I'm going to ask you the same question Tara asked me either a week ago or two weeks ago, which is, um, is this baseball season? Has baseball oh. season started? Yeah, you know... Um... I think no. I think baseball season hasn't started, but we're in kind of like 
the pregame of baseball season, you know? So I'm thinking about like, like if we're hosting a party at our house, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like maybe, and the party's going to start at like eight or something, maybe at like 6 PM, my wife and I kind of pick things up, maybe set some food and stuff out. Uh, and then by like seven or maybe seven thirty, things are pretty much ready to go. And we, we pour ourselves a drink and like put some music on or something. So, I mean, the party hasn't officially started, but yet you're kind of, the party vibe is is starting and you're starting to have a good time. So I feel like that's that's kind of where we're at right now with actual games being played in spring training. Fair enough. I I, I like that. I, uh, I I've never quite been able to get into spring training. I don't know if it's because I, I I'm, I'm a fan of other sports as well, so I'm just interested in basketball or other things going on right now, or if it's just the fact that it's spring training and the games, you know, aren't being really logged in the paper as wins and losses. Um, but, but I've always, I'm under the impression that that you, you are in the spring training and and most people are. Um, and I want to ask you, what is the right way to watch spring training? Like, like say the the summer I tried to get into like shoegaze bands and you know a, a friend gave me the My Bloody Valentine album you know to start off like like how would you right. what would be the My Bloody Valentine album of, <laughs> if, if you're trying to get someone into spring training? Oh man, uh, that's a great question. Uh, you know, for me, I I guess I do kind of like spring training, but at the same time, I don't take it seriously at all, uh, if that makes sense. And I think what I enjoy about it is one of the things that I enjoy about baseball in general is just kind of the the ritual of it and just the kind of the way that it's just sort of a steady presence in the background. And so spring training kind of gives me some of that. It gives me like the aesthetics of, of baseball kind of in the same way that sometimes I might, especially in the off season, I might put on a, a baseball movie or something and kind of have a little bit of that, you know, that, that feel of it without it actually being a game. I kind of think that's what's going on at spring training. Uh, you know, all the games start at noon. So, uh, like today, for example, I was just, I was in the office and so I put, and I've I've got like two monitors. And so, you know, I, I threw the game up on one monitor kind of off to the side and was working on the other one, but I could, kind of glance over, tune in every now and then. So like, you know, Alex Reyes came into pitch an inning. So I kind of, you know, paid attention there, et cetera. But, it, you know, it's there in the background, but I'm not, my emotions did not rise or fall at all as the Cardinals would, you know, take the lead or lose the lead or anything like that. So I don't know, would that does that help you? Yeah, it, it does. I think one of the things that, I don't know that that kind of hurts me when it comes to spring training is I'll, I'll, I'll be like reading about like Harrison Bader's swing and you know what he's working on. And then oh, I'll, yeah. and then the next sentence will be like, and then he doubled over the head of Tim Tebow. And I'm just right. like, all right, this, this yeah. just doesn't feel real. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I was thinking today that uh, spring training is really all about confirmation bias and so, like, yeah. I feel like whatever sort of whatever you believe coming in, you can see something just, you know, that, that more or less confirms that. So uh, today, for example, oh, Brett Cecil came in, was not real good. So if if you're convinced that Brett Cecil is a bum and should be cut, that absolutely confirmed that. 
uh, you know, Reyes was not Reyes was was not real sharp either. Didn't have real great command. Couldn't really do anything with his curveball. If you know, if you kind of feel like Alex Reyes is, uh, you know, it's it's time they move on from him or whatever. You know, it it's, it it just it confirms kind of you know whatever you're looking for. But it's just there's no way to you know there's just no way to evaluate how seriously you should take kind of anything that you're that you're seeing because everybody's kind of in that state of getting into shape. You know, guys are kind of working on different things. So, you know, Carlos Martinez the other day, uh, he was kind of one inning, he fairly good results. The other inning, not so great. Everything he was throwing was really slow. And he said after the game that he was basically only working on his kind of slower pitches. You know, he wasn't throwing his four seamer. He wasn't cranking anything up. So, I mean, again, Real quick, okay. like when you say everything he was throwing was really slow, you don't mean like his the velocity on his fastball is a few ticks. You mean he was just working on off speed, right? Stuff? Yeah, I think I okay. think he's I think the fastball. You know, he I think he sometimes throws a kind of a two seamer that's um, you know more like kind of a ninety one ninety two, and so you know that was the only fastball he was throwing, and then he was kind of working on some some other uh, breaking stuff. He's you know uh, so again, it's like well, how do you? I mean, that's not how he's going to pitch during the regular season, right? Uh, or, or Wainwright said the other day, you know, he he was only going to throw four curveballs in his two innings. So, uh, you know, so he was working on other other stuff. So, you know, the results may not have been great, but that's not how he's going to pitch during the regular season. Now, I think sometimes you can see things that have some meaning to them. Like like Wainwright was consistently hitting 91 with his fastball, which for him is pretty good for the last couple of years. And I actually thought, well, this could actually bode well. He looks, you know, he looks healthy. Um Etc. So, I mean, maybe there's like a, a nugget of meaning there, but I I just wouldn't put a lot of weight into any of it. So, um, do do you not watch? Do you not watch at all, or how do you how do you take in spring training? Um, I I, I usually don't watch at all. I, I'm usually doing a lot more reading about spring training than than watching. If yeah. if that makes sense. Um, yeah. But partly because of of when the games are on, and I'm often at work. Uh, but I, I do read a lot about it or I'm reading, uh, you know, what, what other people are watching and their thoughts. And, you know, I, I made that crack about Tim Tebow. He actually cranked an opposite field home run today. I don't know if you saw that. And regardless, I, I, saw that. I saw that on social media anyway. Yeah. Like regardless of the fact that he's probably never going to even come close to the majors. It's still, I'm still kind of impressed by the fact that he yeah. is even able to do that. Yeah. Uh, as a, I don't, I don't know what his baseball, um, I assume he played in high school. I obviously he didn't play after that, at least not um, in an organized level. But it's still, still kind of impressive. But no, I, I really don't watch. Um, m- mostly just reading and you know keeping up on the news. Uh, uh, I, I always used to joke with like Daniel Shoptaw and Alan Medlick because they have that podcast meet me at mutual is that like you know i just like you know you guys just do your podcast so i can find out what's going on <laughs> like, right, yeah. you guys do all the legwork for me and then uh you know i, and I appreciate that um yeah. I, I also feel as though and I, I think you correct me if i'm wrong d- didn't you go last year i did it was the first time i've gone to uh cardinal spring training and i i feel as though even though I said like, you know, I don't watch and um, I, I'm not as into it as other people are, it is something I've still always wanted to go to, uh, oh, like yeah. a lot of people. So I feel like it could also be one of those things where going to spring training might be the uh, loveless uh, My Bloody Valentine album. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny, though, but even going, I, I still feel like I experienced it in the same way. And, you know, what was great about going is, you know, it's it's March. And so it's, you know, still more or less winter here in Iowa, but I'm like really ready for it to be spring. So just, uh, you know, being in Florida where it's, a, you know, it's certainly a few ticks warmer and I can sit outside in, you know, shorts at a ballpark and have a beer, it, it was more kind of the the aesthetic and just the the vibe of that that i really kind of uh you know enjoyed and appreciated you you mentioned wayno hitting 91 on his fastball uh, this might be a silly question given i'm not sure if they've played more than two games but has anything else caught your eye anything else surprised you um in a good way i guess ah uh, you know uh well I mean, uh, Tyler O'Neill did Homer in the first game and it was 115 miles per hour off the bat, which is, uh, I mean, the, you know, that's fantastic. I think Ozuna is the only one who's, you know, who produced that kind of speed off the bat for the Cardinals over the last couple of years. So, um, you know, so that's great. On the other hand, it's not like we didn't know that Tyler O'Neill could absolutely crush a ball. So, um, you know, so, so, uh, you know, but, but, you know, that's still, that's still good. Um, uh, Bader homered as well, which I know people were excited about. I was also off a lefty though, and I kind of feel like uh-huh. that's. I mean, yep, yeah, you know, Bader hits lefties really well, so uh, that was. Uh, I mean, that's good, but it's still kind of you know just more or less what we uh, what we already already knew about him. So um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's it's fun to see um, you know see Dylan Carlson and Nolan Gorman out there uh, uh, playing. Um, you know, just getting to actually watch them and, and especially getting to watch them when they're they're in the mix with some major league guys and just more kind of upper level competition as well. Um, you know, that's that's always kind of fun too to to, you know, see those guys or see, you know, see some pitching prospects. Libertor pitched the other day. He threw he threw one just unbelievable curveball that you may have seen. People have gifted a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But again, the rest of his outing was kind of not, you know, not stellar. But again, you know. It was one outing. It was his first outing of the spring. So whatever. Well, similar to your, uh, well, I, I guess um, running concurrence with your kind of confirmation bias comment from earlier, I feel as though anytime someone like Libertor struggles or what you said about Carlos Martinez, you can always just say, well, we don't know what he was working on. You know, right. you know he, he might, you know, he may have been doing this, he may have been doing that. So the fact exactly. that he gave up 10 runs, you know, that doesn't really matter. He could have right. just been yep. working on this or working on that. Uh, any early, uh, any good Mike Shannon moments on the season so far, or has he even done any? Has he done any games yet? Do you know? Well, so I only got to he. He definitely did the the first game of the season, but uh, we actually had some people over, so I had the game on, but I, I was kind of a little bit in the background. Um, I did um, my friend. Uh, 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 a friend of mine who showed up um, at my house uh, showed up just moments after his first uh, uh, Fast Eddie's reference of the season. So um, that was kind of kind of special to me. That was another one of those, you know, baseball's back. Mike's, uh, you know, Mike's Mike's talking about Fast Eddie. So uh, <laughs> so that was that was probably my Mike Shannon highlight so far. My my father in law loves Fast Eddie's. Uh, really. Yeah, so I, um, I I've actually never been, um, but my my brother in law and my sister in law, my sister's wife, used to live in Alton because my brother in law was finishing up uh, dental school near there, and so 
they're they're very familiar with fast eddies uh i'm i'm familiar i've known about it for years i've just never never been i've never you know i've never been either and part of me you know really wants to go but i have this sort of vision of it in my head it's kind of a sh- this shangri-la that i, I know <laughs> you don't want that ruined i don't i don't want that ruined so so who knows maybe maybe i'll never go it, it used to advertise itself as the largest bar in the world but this was for a very short like i think just one year they were saying that um, right yeah is that did we ever find out if that was accurate or or what that was based on um I have no reason well, to believe that was accurate. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, maybe it's on a huge lot and they were just saying like, you know, if you right. look at the lot size, you know, not <laughs> it is well, the largest bar well, in the world. Well, Sh- Shannon used to always say, uh, well, you know what Fast Eddie did? He, he bought the street. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> like they had, which uh, I don't. So I, I assume it just means they have like some sort of large patio area and maybe it's where the street once was, but I don't. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I, I, I'm not sure what the, quite what the, you know, the the legal maneuvering is to buy a street, but uh, I'm, I'm looking at it right now on Google Images, and <laughs> it's a it's a very large bar. Gotcha. Uh, I mean, it's big. Like like you know, they have live music there, so there's room for that. It kind of looks like a big, almost like big banquet hall. But but there's nothing about it that would like give you the the impression that this is without a doubt the largest indoor establishment that serves alcohol in the entire world um but i love the fact that they were saying that for uh for that well maybe 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 someone in like the the you know united arab emirates opened a a larger one soon after that (laughs) well like when yeah they those towers took over like the sears tower for like exactly exactly in the world or maybe they got a cease and desist letter from the true right the already existing (laughs) largest uh bar in the world right. i do remember one time shannon i don't know if he'd been there the day before or um he'd, he'd been there very recently and I, I may have already told this story and i apologize if i have but he was just going on about how awesome the budweiser's were because they were they were only a day old somehow right. he learned that they had been brewed the day before in st louis and he uh was just talking uh the other guy's ear off I, i'm trying to remember who was in the booth with him um just like day old budweiser like amazing <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it made me want to try a day old budweiser yeah well yeah my uh it reminds me of my my father-in-law who is not a uh not a real beer connoisseur i'll just say and his uh his review of beers always is uh, about how cold they are so, like, if he goes to a bar, he'll really like he'll just he'll rave about how cold the beers are. So. Ice cold, ice cold, yeah. cold beer in town. Maybe our father, our fathers-in-law. What's the what's the plural of that? Fathers-in-law, right? I don't think this. I think so. Father-in-law, yeah. Fathers-in-law it's can get together and go to fast. laws, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. They can get together and go to fast, fast eddies. It sounds like it's could be up both of their. Both of their alleys. Um, I think that I think that'd be a good podcast, especially if we could file like a remote report from Fast Eddie's. So, <laughs> the, if 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 no one's ever available to do the podcast, it'll be uh, <laughs> the two hosts, Ben Godar and Alex Crisofoli's fathers-in-law, um, <laughs> talking about the the ice cold beer at Fast Eddie's, live from Fast Eddie's. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a good uh, idea. 
Technologically, my father-in-law will never be able to to make the recording happen, but otherwise, uh, a solid uh, plan. <laughs> oh no, no, my, same with mine. I I will get text messages from him, and right. he will still sign his name at the bottom of them. Uh, <laughs> right. This is like a letter. In case there's any confusion, this is from your father-in-law. You and I can just read the text messages. This is get, this is starting to be a pretty good idea. I kind of want to listen to this podcast. <laughs> so, um, actually, talking about the Cardinals. Uh, this is something I was thinking about earlier. We all saw last week or the week before that Pakota has a Cardinals peg to win about uh, 80 games. Uh, and I think that was third place in NL Central behind the Reds and the Cubs. Miles Michaelis is hurt. Best case scenario, it sounds like he's back at the end of April. Um, but it seems rare that best case scenario and an instance like this is something that you want to depend on. Um, we didn't really replace Marcelo Zuna's production with anyone with a proven track record at this level. Now, certainly Tyler O'Neill, um, Dylan Carlson, or some combination thereof could could match his production or, or ex- exceed it. But we still haven't seen them do that at this level. But it, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that the Cardinals could still win the NL Central, um, mostly because there really is no clear-cut, you know, division favorite like, say, the NL West. And um, if you agree with that statement, and I'm I'm assuming you do because it's not a very controversial statement, how would they do it? Like, what do you think that would look like? Well, um, I have to admit, first off, that I'm I'm kind of high on the Cardinals. Um, I, I... have them i my expectation is that they're going to win somewhere between 86 and 91 games um this season so i was a little surprised to see uh, pakota had him at 80 zips had him at 82 so uh you know that was a little little lower than what i expected but um for me a big part of my expectation is the fact that you know the the cardinals will really be pushing to get to that 86 88 win threshold i'm not sure all of the other teams will um and so part of it for me is is that um i do think they have some i do think they have some options um you know in left field they've got a few different guys they can kind of um you know give a shot there so perhaps something catches on there uh they're i i really feel like their pitching is fairly deep um so I'm I'm reasonably confident in their pitching, and I just think that as the season goes on, if they're tracking to be something like a 500 team, uh, I think they'll I think they'll make a move, and I think they'll improve. and And I know it's been a few years since they did that, but but they've done it many times, uh, you know, before these last few years, and so I don't think it's something that's completely out of their toolkit, um, you know, uh. I, I mean, I don't think Nolan Arenado is going to stay in Colorado. Uh, I think the Cardinals are very much interested in him. Um, I think that's that's something that could happen. But even if not that, I just uh, if they're if things aren't coming together and they're looking like a, a kind of also ran middle of the pack type team, I think they will be aggressive to improve that. And I don't know about the other clubs in the division. I mean, the 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 Cubs have been crying poor. Uh, you know, all off season, they've done even less than the Cardinals have. And maybe that's some kind of a smokescreen, but I kind of tend to think that it's not. So 
Um, they're, they're still, you know, probably going to be pretty good, but if they aren't, I don't know that they're going to look to improve. Uh, I'm, I'm much less sold on the reds than a lot of people are. And in fact, if the reds are not real impressive, a lot of these guys that they have or that they've acquired, uh, are approaching free agency and, and could be, uh, you know, flipped by the break anyway. Uh, and I mean, the brewers don't have any money or any aspirations to really, uh, you know, do anything real impressive. So I don't see them adding to themselves. So I guess in a way I'm optimistic on the Cardinals because I think the Cardinals will be more aggressive in season than the other teams in the division. Uh, I don't know. Do you buy that? Sure. I, um, I, I it's absolutely plausible. I, I don't think anyone could in good faith say, Oh, that's absolutely, there's no chance that could happen. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do think they might be built to, I guess, outlast everyone in the NL Central more than, if, if that even makes sense, more than the, the competition, uh, with an exception of possibly the Cubs, just because I still believe in that Cubs lineup one through eight. Uh, right. But um, that pitching, um, and, and I still think they might have enough left to get one, one or two more good seasons um, before they're going to be in some big trouble. Uh one thing that's interesting about the Cardinals the last two years uh, under Schilt is they've played at like a hundred win pace in the second half uh, in the second half of the seasons combined 2018 2019 like either like a hundred win pace or a 99 win pace um, meaning after the All Star break I don't quite remember right. what it was but it's it's very good and you know as yeah. as we all remember you know do we think there's something to that or do we think that's just how it kind of shook out. I mean, I think in 2018, we kind of chalked that up to like, you know, just the excitement of having a, a new voice in the clubhouse and, you know, Matheny being gone and, you know, the yeah. kind of getting over that hangover. Um, but last year, they really obviously came on strong as well. I mean, I, I want to say they were, I don't remember how late in the season they were hovering right around 500, but it was, I think, a lot later than we remember now just because, you know, they ended up, they ended up winning 91 games. But, right. I mean, what were they at the All-Star break last year? At well, most, just a was, couple games above right 500. 500, weren't they? Or it was very close to 500, as I recall. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. And, I mean... This might be a silly question because it's very non-specific, but do we think there's something there? And like, does that match what I said? Like that they're deep, they're able to outlast these teams, they're able to come on stronger in the second half because they have all these arms that can fill in for like, you know, take some of those starts. Um, you know, even if we are talking about quadruple A arms or whatever you want to call them, they still have those guys there who are available to show up and not, you know. Right. To- totally put the team in a hole. And, and same with, you know, same with the offense. They don't have any, you know, Mookie Betts type players, but they sure seem to have a lot of, you know, Lane Thomases. Um, and, you know, that doesn't sound all that great, but, you know, when you have a lot of those guys, it sure, sure helps you survive any sort of injuries or helps guys get through the dog days of, you know, August and September, I would think. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I think so. Um, I mean, as far as if they have any like sort of secret sauce that makes makes them successful in the second half, I mean, I my guess is that's m- more of just kind of luck over the past couple of years. But I, mm-hmm. I can think of a couple things, and I think you're right. Um, you know, they they have they have such a pipeline, and 
I, I always feel like the thing about the Cardinals development pipeline, it's not necessarily cranking out uh, superstar players. Um, and, and that's largely the result of, you know, being so successful, not often having really high first round draft picks, et cetera. So, um, you know, they're not often kind of at that, you know, number one in the organization, you know, farm rankings or whatever. But I mean, they roll out kind of, you know, one to two win players just endlessly. And I think we underestimate how valuable that is. And I think about, I was actually thinking about that a lot this off season and just looking at what, what other teams have to go out and, you know, spend on the free agent market to get like number four, number five starters and kind of uh, borderline starter, you know, fourth outfielder type players. And just, I, I just feel like that saps so many resources and and the Cardinals just rarely have to do that. I mean, we can think of instances where they've done things a little bit like that. Like I, the Mike Leak one jumps out to me, but it's I think it's so memorable because it's such kind of an outlier that they would mm-hmm. make that kind of a move. And generally, they just you know they just fill those spots in with these really productive players. I was actually just with my uh, my my boys are really into watching the World Series uh, videos, and so mm-hmm. we were. We were actually just watching the 2011 World Series video a little bit earlier today. And uh, just throughout all these highlights, which, of course, are mostly highlights of David Fries and Albert Pujols and these star players. But, you know, who's often involved in these rallies is, you know, Daniel Descalso and John Jay and these. And I mean, they always seem to produce those kind of guys and um, they get a ton of value out of that. So maybe that is I mean, maybe that is a factor. I also do think that. Schilt generally does a pretty good job with his lineups and how he uses his bullpen and kind of understanding the production that he's getting from players at a certain time. And maybe that's even more important in the uh, second half of the season when you've got guys who are tired and recognizing when you've got maybe a guy who is a really strong, productive player for the first half of the season, but he isn't really uh, as much anymore. Um, he's at least better at that certainly than the previous manager was. So, uh, I don't know. Those are two factors that maybe play into it, but I guess, I don't know. I mean, overall, it's probably more, more luck than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I I think you're probably right. I I think that just caught my eye being like, Oh, that is right. Two years in a row. They just like came on like crazy in the second half. Uh, (laughs) but you brought up a good point about the, how good they are at developing players and where that's valuable. I think is I I was flipping through the baseball perspectives annual uh, yesterday. I'm still getting through it because it's, you know, 600 pages. So I'm kind of just bouncing around, but the Cubs, for instance, in, I want to say 2015 coming off a 97 win season, they, you know, kicked, kicked the Cardinals butts in the NLDS kind of ran out of gas in the NLCS, but it was obvious that they had arrived. Um, mm-hmm. And not only that, they, at that time, according to uh, baseball prospectus, and I'm sure it was, you know, other places like Baseball America or Fangraphs had them up there as well. They had the top farm system in baseball. Right. Now, I, and I remember at the time being like, wow, this is not only built a lot, this is not only like, they're not only good right now, but this is built to last. They're going to be what, you know, kind of what the Dodgers are right now, which is like a team that's going to be awesome in perpetuity. But it looks like that's not going to happen 
in large part, I think, because of their inability to develop pitching and then having to trade some of those pieces in the, that had their farm system ranked so high off for uh, pitching. Um, now, a, a lot of it had to do with the fact that some of those players, um, like Willis Contreras, then, you know, graduated to the team. And, you know, so, so that's credit to them as well. But, you, you know, this stuff can be fleeting if you can't develop if you can't develop like the Cardinals can. And, and I think that's where the Cubs have run into trouble. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And, and, and maybe that's not the best example. Cause I feel like the Cardinals were kind of in a similar position in 2013. They had just been in the world series and they also had like the top farm system in baseball. You know, they had Tavares mm-hmm. and they had all those young pitchers. And yeah. uh, uh, I remember at the winter meeting, someone joking that like, you know, the Cardinals don't even really need to be here. They're just here to laugh at all the other teams. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, through a series of, you know, the unfortunate events or, um, you know, we all know what can happen to pitching prospects. Um, it didn't quite turn out, I, I think, like we had all planned. Um, you know, some people noted that around this time we thought we were going to have uh, Carlos Martinez, Jack Flaherty and Alex Reyes, you know, headlining just an awesome, you know, staff. And really Flaherty's the only one who has uh, – totally broken through although i think you could say carlos did but you know who knows what's going on with with carlos right now uh but at least the cardinals have been able to kind of reach the mountaintop and sort of stay there or at least within striking distance because they have all this talent that that keeps coming up and supplanting you know players they might leave or players who are whose production is dropping off from getting old yeah yeah absolutely no, and I and I just I think that uh, over time that's just I mean I, w- I don't want to say it's more valuable than producing star players because of course producing a star player is just this you know amazing boon to your organization but um, it just knowing that you have that that depth and you can uh, fill those roster spots and fill them with you know productive players and even if they maybe are players who top out at league average um you know i mean ask a you know mariners fan or a a, you know royals fan (laughs) you know about league you know they they certainly wish they had some league average players (laughs) this this sort of stuff always you know leads into talking about players like tommy edmund and uh someone asked me who was going to be this year's tommy edmund um, but they asked in a way of who was going to be this year's devil magic um and uh is is devil magic is it a player is it most embodied by a a player or is it just embodied by a thing like like the cardinals batting 330 with runners in scoring position in 2013 or or whatever it was what's what's the true definition of cardinals devil magic i think i think the true definition of cardinals devil magic lives in the hearts of cardinals fans everywhere (laughs) i don't know that i could summon into words anything to <laughs> to express it but um you know um i mean my i see i think about m- my friends who are fans of other teams and when they kind of derisively refer to cardinals devil magic it, um sometimes it's an incident you know like a pete cosma home run um but it, it is often players and you're right tommy edmund was a really strong example of that and it's these guys that you know, have been sort of unheralded or not thought to be uh, of the caliber that they are, who, 
suddenly are major contributors, uh, if not stars. And, uh, you know, it does seem like the Cardinals generate those guys maybe more often than, than a lot of other clubs do. And, um, I mean, I think that's got to really come down to player development. Um, they obviously do a pretty good job of, um, you know, the, the raw material that comes in, they, they often turn, you know, turn out a higher quality product than, uh, the experts that are watching the process expect. Yeah. I I think this concept of devil magic, whatever you want to call it, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty much stabilized, but I think we hit peak devil magic. Um, I, I think they really reached the summit with the Pete Cosma uh, single against the Nats to drive in those two runs because that was coming off, uh, you know, the Cardinals were the defending champions. It looked like they were finally dead. Um, right. And then they had that ridiculous ninth inning uh, fueled by Daniel Descalzo, who you mentioned earlier. Um, and, and Pete Cosma, who, uh, you know, Daniel Descalzo's had a fine career in, in baseball. Pete Cosma, n- not as much. Um, right. And so it just seemed like th- these guys just can't be killed. Um, now we, we learned soon that, um, n- not only could they be killed, but they could be killed in agonizing fashion as they blew a three, one lead to the giants. Uh, but I really do think at that time, in that moment, when Cosma hit that single and then the. Nats came up against Ma and they were just deflated and they had nothing. Um, that was like, okay, th- there's something going on here. And this is like, yeah, th- these guys just can't be, uh, th- they just can't be stopped. Absolutely. You mentioned the world series video. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned the 2000. I, I also love those videos. The, uh, I, I watched for, for some reason I watched a 2006 one, I think more than I do the 2011, uh, so that kind of makes me want to watch the 2011 one because it's been a while. I actually one time for a flight bought the bought game six to watch it on like I, I was I had like a cross country oh, wow. flight yeah. and I was like I'll watch game six because um, I, I was at game six uh, but I but I've never actually watched it on TV. Uh, it wasn't that great because you know it's pretty boring and the whole time you're just like, all right, you know, I'm just going to fast forward to the end because right, it's, right. it's really rough going through and watching, uh, you know, all, all this stuff when we know like everything that's awesome happens kind of like, you know, in that last, uh, you, you know, uh, 10 minutes or, or 20 minutes or however long it took from the ninth inning on, obviously more than 10 minutes. Uh, but yeah. I do love those world series videos, uh, especially <laughs> the 06 one. Yeah. yeah, did you did you say you were at you were at Game Six of the 2011 World Series? Yeah, I was at six and seven. Oh my gosh, I'm so insanely jealous. I I flew out there with a coworker who's also a Cardinals fan. Uh, we arrived there on the morning of what was supposed to be Game Six, but it got rained out, and so we just bounced around and ended up at Casino Queen. Actually, uh, nice. wasn't my idea, and it wasn't a good idea either. Uh, because uh, we should have been in our hotel room um, long before that. But yeah. Uh, How many stories involve we ended up at Casino Queen and it was a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> Not many. I don't, I don't yeah. think many. Um, right. But yeah, no, it was, it was surreal. The, the, I, I don't, it, it's almost hard to ex- talk about Game 6. I don't like doing it because it always turns into like Remember When and it sounds someone like, always sounds like someone, you know, just, 
talking about like their glory days or something. But well, the, I mean, this is a Cardinals podcast, so that's why not true. Admit this? Well, so. I do want to say the the one crazy thing I remember is after Freeze hit the triple. I, I can tell you what section I'm in right now because I actually have the ticket on my wall. Here, I'm going to look at it right now. Let's see. I'm in section 367, row 6, seat 21. Um, not awesome seats, but who cares? Uh, yeah, you're at the World, the World Series. Series. Yeah. After Freeze hits that triple, my my friend, he was in either seat – he was sitting right next to me, so he was either in seat 22 or seat 20. Don't remember which. But after that triple – I think after jumping around and high-fiving everyone and, you know, hugging complete strangers, I think I was all of a sudden in like row 12, seat 40. <laughs> like, like, and my friend was, was like two rows below me and, and probably 10 seats over. And, and it was just like no one after that was – after the triple and all the craziness died down, no one was sitting where, where they were before he hit that because everyone was just jumping around and going crazy uh eventually you know i everyone sort of kind of shimmied their way back to where their seats were supposed to be um you know to join the people they're there with but yeah that, that's kind of what i remember most about that moment oh man well that's that's incredible so i uh, i was not i was not in st louis i was not at the games but i was in the second best place to be for an event like that which is chicago so uh, <laughs> I was in Chicago for 06. Uh, oh, were you? Yeah. yeah, I was I was living there at the time, uh, but I was watching that one nervously by myself in my apartment. Yeah, I, I actually watched a lot. I was I was a uh, I was there visiting my sister at the time, so I did. I I watched quite a bit of it at uh, of six and seven at uh, at her apartment. So it was, uh, but I still felt like I could feel the collective <laughs> sadness of the city, and uh, I did I did feed off of that. That's important. I agree. That's a, that's, that's, that has a very good feeling. You, you are actually a a filmmaker. I, I think last time I had you on, you were you had just completed your movie about the Cyhawk Trophy. If, if, if let's say the Cardinals win the World Series in 2020, uh, certainly not impossible. Uh, they're I don't think they are the favorite in Vegas right now, but it's not beyond the realm of possibility. And if if you were to make the World Series video, what? does that look like? Meaning I, I think Billy Bob Thornton narrated mm-hmm. the 06 version and John yep. Hamm in 2011. Uh, I love the fact that in 06, uh, Preston Wilson gets so much screen time um, because he's so good on TV, you know, and yep. he's so good. And especially if you follow his Twitter account, you learn like he's just a super smart and introspective guy. Yep. Uh, so who's narrating your video? Who's, who's getting the, uh, who's getting the Preston Wilson treatment? Yeah. Any well, idea? Uh, First off, if anyone from Major League Baseball is listening, I would I would gladly make the Cardinals World Series video. So um, please uh, please feel free to, to DM me. We can we can work out the details. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so so narrating. So you've got to have kind of a like a, a St. Louis uh, sort of celebrity luminary type figure. I think so. I, to me, I would go with uh, Sterling K. Brown. Um, who uh, hopefully folks know he's a great actor. He uh, he. The last couple of years, he did a series of Explore St. Louis commercials. Um, so he's in he's in a bunch of those. Um, oh, he's on that show. What is it called? This is Us, I think. Us, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't watch, but I know it's very popular. He's on that. I'm sure he's great on that. Uh, he was in uh, Black Panther. Probably is the thing he was in that most people saw. 
He was um, in the OJ movie too, I believe. Yep, yep, exactly. Yep, he plays the prosecutor. I mean, he's he's uh, he was in a movie this year called Waves that got amazing reviews. I haven't seen yet, but he's just he's great in everything he's in. He's just great. He's super magnetic. Um, uh, so he would be my choice. I was just as I was brainstorming, I was trying to think of other options. I feel like you know John Goodman hasn't done one. St. Louis guy has done some kind of St. Louis and Cardinal stuff. That'd be a solid choice. Uh, Andy Cohen, I think, would be would be fine as well. Um, uh, Jenna Fisher and Ellie Kemper are both St. Louis folks. You know, maybe you know diversify it. Uh, I think any of those would be solid choices, but I would probably go with Sterling K. Brown myself. So I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, that's that is a good choice. I had uh, John Goodman just did that. Uh, birds what was the uh, MLB? oh that's right the, the MLB. Yeah. yeah i knew he did something i yeah and, and he was he was good on that my my uh uh my wife just happened to watch walk in while i was watching that and she's amazing at just being like oh that's such and such's voice uh like, yeah. she, like she's really good at that like when we're watching like a kid's cartoon or something and right you know, famous actors uh i am not so good at that i like the andy cohen I, I could see him being really, really good at that. In fact, we should just let him produce the whole thing. Like he could uh, put together quite a, he could have like a whole panel, you know, talking about it. Right. Um, oh yeah. He could do it kind of like a talk, like talk back style. Yeah. <laughs> he could maybe get some players from like the teams we beat along the way uh, yeah. who, who felt they were, uh, you know, slighted or agreed. Uh, oh yeah. Let, maybe let a couple of players, ex-wives or something on there. Too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like it. So like you're it. totally right, by the way, about uh, uh, the kind of player who shines in all of those. And Preston Wilson in 06. Um, I, so I watched the 2011 uh, video more often. My oldest son, who's 12, remembers it. And so he kind of likes to watch it for that reason. And uh, Jason Mott is in that one quite a bit. Um, and, you know, again, I mean, he was an important part of the team. But relative to that. Um, you know, he's in there, you know, kind of a, a lot. So, you know, if it's this year, I just I immediately thought Brebbia, right? That's what that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, be, and who knows? I mean, he's, you know, if, if the season goes well and they win a World Series, you know, hopefully John Brebbia is in there, you know, locking down the seventh inning or something. But I want to hear his reaction to everything. I don't know if uh, I think I heard this on Brendan Schaefer's new podcast, but the the Cardinals did kind of like this team building like competition or something. I'm not quite sure exactly what it was. Uh, some kind of baseball competition where they uh, split into two teams, and I believe oh, yeah. Brebbia's team won. And yep. Bre- I don't know if Brebbia was an integral part of this victory, but something to the effect of they wanted to shred his jersey, but he wouldn't let him because his, he said, and this is quoting him, because my body's so bad. <laughs> oh, man. See, that? I mean, I identify with that on a very deep <laughs> level. So, yeah. uh, no, he's, he's great. He's, he's, no, he's I, great. I, and, and, you know, Wainwright is a much more prominent player, but, but Adam Wainwright is really uh, uh, great on the mic, too. Uh, I remember couple years ago he was uh it was while he was he was hurt and he, he came up and did like three innings in the booth one mm-hmm. game did you see this i do i remember this yeah i mean he was i mean he's just you know he's funny and he you know so i could certainly see a lot of a uh, lot of wayno in there as well yeah wainwright would kind of be the i think the the main voice the one who's 
Uh, Wainwright's actually, I think, a, a legitimately funny guy. Um, mm-hmm. But he would also be the one kind of delivering like kind of the cheesy quotes like, you know, this is, you know, we were right. a true team or, you know, something like that. Yes. Uh, yeah. Whereas you would have Brebbia just strictly for the comic relief and the, right. uh, um, yeah, kind of the right. sidekick. But yeah, I, well, I think that's how you do it. The great thing about these World Series videos is they are just so schlocky, you know, <laughs> and they are so like just dripping with, uh you know, it's just the the most kind of obvious like storylines and drama. And in fact, I actually so I said I was watching with my sons earlier today. I wrote down the opening line of the 2011 World Series video. So the World Series video begins and it's kind of a series of shots of like Cardinal players lined up on the foul line, uh, you know, like before the national anthem and kind of just some shots of like the stadium and just kind of your general establishing shots you might have. And John, so imagine John Hamm's voice here saying throughout America's heartland and beyond, they will forever be known as the team that simply refused to give up. I mean, (laughs) oh my gosh, come on. That's, and I think that's why, I have never in my life watched another team's World Series video, nor would I ever, because that would be insufferable. That would be absolutely insufferable. But when it's your team, you know, it's just you just kind of want to luxuriate in that cheese. So absolutely. Yeah, it's for a limited audience. uh, No (laughs) doubt. And and, uh, what you just said made me think uh, I never thought of this before. But oh, my gosh, that Cubs video just has to be the worst. Oh, my gosh. And, and I and I mean that in like, you know, admitting ours would also be the worst to them. Right. But that one has to be just awful. Oh, I can't oh, imagine no. watching that. Oh, my uh, God. I, I think I just remembered something from the 2011 World Series video. And tell me if I'm wrong or if you remember this. But I, I mentioned – my buddy and I flew there that morning and then the game, well, it was supposed to be game six got postponed um, because of weather for the next night. I remember La Russa in the video saying like, yeah, it was awful. Like there's no way we could have played. Um, d- does that ring a bell? Does he say something like that in the video? Because I was there and they absolutely, it was not a good day. It was very windy. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, kind of spit and rain here and there. Um, I don't know, maybe the radar, you know, I wasn't, paying attention to that so maybe the radar did have something ugly coming that somehow just missed the city right um, but they absolutely could have squeezed a game in um, right and I you do, know of course if i recall correctly the, the radar showed there was a high probability of chris carpenter not being able to pitch in game <laughs> yeah. so i think i think that may have been a factor um <laughs> that's perfect we yeah i i think we'll leave that there because uh um, uh, yeah, that, that is absolutely what the radar was showing. And I, I think, uh, I, I'm, I'm curious, I don't really know any Rangers fans, but, uh, I'm sure they're aware of that fact that that allowed us to have Carpenter pitch game seven. And I wonder if that's like a Rangers thing. Like if you go on a Rangers message board that they're all just like, Evan, Chris, Car- you know, the Cardinals cancel that game. You know, I feel like yeah. that could be a very much a Rangers thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that I'm willing to find a Rangers message <laughs> board to check, but I, it certainly sounds plausible. All right. Um, I, I think as a lot of people know, uh, w- whenever I have a guest on, uh, well, first I should ask, do you have anything else um, to discuss that that we need to hit, or should we move on to the chirp of the week? No. Yeah. I think I think we're I think we're good. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I didn't I didn't forget anything. Uh, 
But yeah, whenever I have a guest on, I usually see if they want to do the trip of the week. And Ben was happy to oblige us this week. So Ben, tell us, tell us what you have. Yeah, well, uh, you know, you we were kind of chatting earlier uh, in the week about spring training and just kind of how meaningful is spring training. And so I just it kind of it, it piqued a question in my mind that I realized was a very chirp of the week esque question. So and that was I wondered who has had the best spring training uh, for the Cardinals over the last 10 years, you know, each year of the last 10 years on both the hitting side and and the pitching side. And did that uh, mean anything as far as the season to come? So uh, so I just I went back and I looked and, you know, spring training stats are not tracked uh, as well as regular season stats. So a lot of the the more advanced stats are not available. So uh, so for uh, offense, I, I looked at OPS, which is not the best stat, but it's it's fine for this. And uh, looking at kind of spring training numbers, I set uh, 20 uh, at bats as the um, as the kind of baseline, which got basically got you to people who participated quite a bit in spring training. Um, so for 2019, the OPS leader was Randy Rosarina. For 2018, Matt Carpenter. 2017, Jose Martinez. 2016, Carlos Peguero. Uh, 2015, Randall Grichuk. 2014, Colton Wong. 2013, Shane Robinson, Sugar Shane. 2012, Brett Anderson, who I seem Whoa. to recall was a catcher. Does that sound right? Yeah, I believe I so. so. And then 2011 and 2010 both were Matt Holiday. So based on those names, how do you feel that? Does that feel like that was a statistic that was predictive of much in the regular season? Well, I do remember in 2016, Carlos Paguero receiving some down ballot MVP votes. So, yeah, right. I, I do. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it actually was a little better than I thought it was going to be. You know, Matt Carpenter yeah. in 2018, he probably led the team in OPS that year. Matt Holiday right. in 11 and 12. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm sure it's absolutely 100% not predictive of anything because it's spring right. training. But still, the the good guys are going to yeah. typically hit well. Yeah. And Yeah, that wasn't yeah. too bad. That wasn't too bad. Let's talk about the pitchers now. So. Okay. So again, not a, not great options for pitchers. So I'm just I'm looking at ERA here. I understand. Um, uh, so ERA among pitchers uh, leaders: 2019, Dakota Hudson; 2018, Josh Lucas; Whoa. 2017, Matt Bowman; 2016, Jonathan Broxton; 2015, Seth Manis; 2014, Adam Wainwright. 2013, Michael Waka. 2012, Victor Marte. 2011, Fernando Salas. And 2010, Denis Reyes. So, uh, pitching side, how are you feeling about that? Uh, uh, about the, not as good as the hitting, I, I would say. Um, although I, I was, uh, I smiled when you said Matt Bowman. I don't, I always just kind of liked him. Um, I, I don't know if it's because he was a Rule Five guy or whatever. Uh, Mike, Mike Matheny liked him too. Quite a bit. <laughs> Mike Matheny loved him, from what I understand. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I don't know. This this isn't like the most meaningful thing ever, but I always, anytime somebody kind of brings up a, a 
statistic or a streak or something like that, I always kind of think, well, who else has done this or what, you know, and if you look and you see like, oh my gosh, like the only people that have done this are Hall of Famers or great players or something like that. It's like, this seems pretty, pretty important. And, you know, to me, when I look at this list, it looks pretty much random to me. Um, You know, again, on, on the hitting side, this definitely does tend to be, you know, better, you know, you know, most of them are decent hitters or guys who went on to have a decent season. But um, to me, it just kind of reinforced my overall belief that eh, I'm not really going to put a whole lot of stock in how someone performs, at least numbers wise in spring training. Well, I, I'm looking at Victor Marte's 2012 season on fan graphs right now, and it's not great. Uh, I believe it. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, n- negative 0.2 uh, war, uh, about a five ERA and four innings, innings pitched. Um, again, uh, I'm j- I was just curious because, uh, you know, I'm not, like you said, I'm not trying to pretend any of this is predictive. But, yeah, I was surprised to hear that, that name uh, for 2012. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, that was uh, that was my trip of the week. That's excellent. Thank you very much for that. Oh yeah. I think that's going to do it for us this week, Ben. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I'm sure you will. You will be back soon. Um, you can read Ben uh, every week. I believe on. I believe today or the day you'll be listening to this, you'll you usually write on Wednesdays. Is that correct? That is correct. I haven't written, as we record this, I haven't written my post for tomorrow yet. Oh, so. oh shoot. I should have been talking faster. I didn't know. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. I don't, it'll, it'll, uh, it'll be a, it'll be a AM uh, last minute one, I think. So. <laughs> okay. But yeah, you can read Ben every Wednesday uh, at Viva Alberto's. Uh, I highly recommend you do that. You can also follow Ben on Twitter at uh, Ben Godar. That's B-E-N-G-O-D-A-R. I got your handle, right? Is that Absolutely. right? Okay. There you go. You can follow me at AlexCard79 on Twitter. And that's going to do it. Thank you very much, everyone.